everyone. Welcome to the Film Obsessed Couple. I'm Shelly. And I'm Scott. And if you're a new listener, we appreciate you choosing us to listen to. Scott and I are a married couple obsessed about movies. Scott is more analytical, while I'm a little bit open-minded. We are unscripted, unfiltered, and hopefully we will leave you with something to think about. Get ready as we dive in. So yes, if you haven't looked at the title on your phone or wherever you're listening to us yet, we are talking about predestination. Mm-hmm. So if you're curious of what predestination might mean, according to Google, it says, in Christian theology, it says, the divine foreordaining of all that will happen. Hmm. So it's not really a Christian movie, but we decided to do this because we're watching Succession now, and I was like, hey, that lady that plays Shiv on here, I saw her in a really great movie called Predestination that I think you would really like. Yeah. And what better way to do it than to talk about it on the podcast? For real. And you had said you'd never seen this before, was that right? That's right, yeah. And predestination, to me, means just before your destination. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like you're driving and you're about to get there. Yeah, that's... <laughs> Pre-op, post-op, mm-hmm. that's what that means to me. Exactly. That's, yes. <laughs> it doesn't, it means nothing biblical. Yeah, because looking a little further down the things here, it says, like, the doctrine that all has been willed by God. Doctrine? Damn. Yeah, so it's like, oh, it's been predestined that God has wanted me to do this. So, mm. thankfully in this movie, we don't get into that, but they do get into you know, kind of time loops and things like that. Okay. Well, here we, God has destined us to watch predestination. Exactly. It was foretold in the Bible that we were going to watch it. Yep. The books got left out of the Bible, but they're there. The film obsessed couple, Scott and Shelley. Chapter five, verse four. Through eight. Yeah. <laughs> so I had recommended this movie because we have seen the other movie there really where they're really well known for, which is Daybreakers, which also has Ethan Hawke in it, Mm. where it's like set in the future, everybody in the world is a vampire. Mm. And, you know, they drink like blood coffee, everybody works at night. And I thought it was really neat. I watched it in theaters with some friends, and I was like, well, that was pretty interesting. And so this movie came out, and I was like, oh, it's directed by the same guys. I'd love to check it out. And this, I thought, was really good. Mm Mm-hmm. Then they went and did a movie, Jigsaw, which was one of the Saw sequels, and I had no interest in watching it. And then after that, their most recent work, from what I understand, is the movie called Winchester. Oh, is that with the people, those guys that we watched the show? (laughs) I was like, I've told you about the movie. No, it's not Supernatural. Oh, okay. (laughs) I maybe would have liked it more. I actually haven't seen it, but it's about the woman who built onto her house the... When, oh, you did tell me about this. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, oh, she's joking. <laughs> yeah. Ha <laughs> No, the, one of the Winchester fortune people who heard through fortune, like a fortune teller or something that mm-hmm. as long as she built onto her house, she wouldn't die or people would be, I don't remember exactly the whole thing of it. I remember seeing pictures of the house and it's pretty crazy. That movie got released and I was like, well, it could be interesting. Was like panned and torn apart when it came out oh damn i know so this is actually the last of their they're called the sprig brothers two of two guys and this is the last movie of theirs that i've seen of their work so far Oh well you know gotta keep trying 
Yeah, they've apparently got another movie or something in the works. It's on IMDb, but it, I don't know if it has much information about it at this time. Well, maybe they've learned and they're just going to put out a doozy. Predestination 2. Oh, dear Lord. More destinationing. It would be post-destination. <laughs> that would be what happens after you're destined to talk about it. Or it could be a, a, a prequel to this and be called Prior Destination. <laughs> Pre-pre. <laughs> so this movie is based on a book by Robert A. Heinlein, who is a science fiction writer. This, this short story came out in like the 50s, and it... Minus the whole thing about like the bomber and them having to try and find who the bomber might be. Mm. It's more so about the character, like the main character. Like, so, like the Ethan Hawke character? Yeah, Sarah okay. Snook character. They Basically, I read like a summary, a quick summary of it, and it's like exact. Hmm. Except the minus the whole thing of them trying to find out who this big bomber is. And I read that they put it in the movie because they wanted to have like a... Kind of like a driving force of like, oh my gosh, all these people are going to get killed if we don't figure this out. Like a suspense kind of. Yeah. A, a doom. Like, oh my gosh, if they don't do this, it's going to be the end of the world. Yeah. Yeah. So this this might be a little bit of a tough one. We may just go ahead and spoil some things at the beginning. But mm. I guess we'll. if you haven't seen Predestination and you're listening, I would highly recommend to watch it because it is very fun to watch it and get all the twists and turns. It's pretty shocking. Like yeah. I, I really like it when the twists and turns are shocking. Yeah, you figured out the big one at the end and I was like I I was like, "Wow. Okay, cool." Yeah. Cuz you were like, "Is this da da da?" and I'm like didn't say anything, but I was like, <laughs> "Yeah, she got it." <laughs> Nailed it. So, the majority of like half of this movie is a setting in this bar. Like Ethan Hawke is this bartender and Sarah Snook is a man. She's got like all this makeup on and you pointed it out that you think she's got like a fake chin and stuff on. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. That would be the only thing I didn't really care for because it was just so eye-catchingly not great. Yeah, and I don't think this movie had a lot of money behind it maybe. No, it was just, it was very distracting for me because I'm like, okay, she looks different her chin is like a different color mm -hmm. it's like they didn't blend it very well with her skin so it just kind of it stood out to me like a sore thumb yeah yeah i guess so i mean the true start of this movie is it opens with ethan hawk being like what if i could bring the man that ruined your life in front of you and i could guarantee that you would get away with it mm -hmm. the movie jumps around but i guess we can kind of go around and follow it the best we can but we start with a person going into like the basement of this hotel it looks like where they place it looks like they were trying to place the bomb or prevent it from going off what are your thoughts on that it to me it was someone was coming to stop the bomber okay because ethan hawk had the violin case and then a briefcase well, then the briefcase turns into that cylinder thing. Well, I think what happens is they've got maybe a couple of things. Because as we find out through the movie, the violin case that everybody carries that we see Ethan Hawke have is like the time travel device. Mm -hmm. Like the lock numbers, you know, when you try to unlock a case, that is you put it in and that's the time travel. You're like March 1967 or whatever. And then you like press the button to open the case, but it 
blips you into the where you need to go. Yeah, because that's how they work. Yeah, this <laughs> in real life, yes. <laughs> the person going down into this basement, I think, has the violin case, but also has like another one because yes they, they go into the basement and they find this gigantic bomb and you see this person you don't see this person's face they're trying to disarm this bomb and someone from behind them starts shooting and the two people get into a fight the person we've been following tries to stop the bomb and it goes off in their face and like blows up and they are badly burned now that i know what the movie is i think i kind of understand this one this part a little bit because it's almost like it's the end Kind of, yeah. It's the end of the movie, end of everything, and then looping back around. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the big thing with this is like the theme or the theory of like the, well, not the theory, but Ouroboros. And he even says it in the movie. It's like a snake eating its own tail. Mm. And that's what the Ouroboros is. But yeah, it's like a symbol where it's like a circle with the snake and this tail is going in its mouth. So it's like it's never ending. It just keeps going. Yes, that's. I did that on purpose. <laughs> oh, okay. <It's> snake. <laughs> but yeah, this person, they get their face badly burned and they time travel. Well, you don't know what's going on at this point, but they time travel and then it shows them getting like surgery and we hear Ethan Hawke's voice. They're like, yeah, we had to fix your face quite a bit. And he's like, he says something that I don't know if you knew at the time, but now it means a lot. He's like, oh, my face. I wonder if my own mother would recognize me. Mm-hmm. No, I, I did get that. And... Um, they also talk about his voice being different. Mm -hmm. So I was like, okay. And later that kind of helped me put two and two together. Yeah. Because now we get to the main kind of set for a while, which is the bar. I think we see Ethan Hawke. He, he, we do get a little br brief moment where he's getting like sworn in. They gave him like his little briefcase and a gun. And he was. they were like, uh, if you do anything outside of your mission path, you will be executed. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so, and I guess what we're supposed to gain from this is like, there is this time travel bureau. We find out later, he says that they're trying to fix what is wrong, like to write what's wrong in time. Right. Which minor spoilers for gone world. I read a little bit this morning. That is kind of what's turning out to be the bad guys you've been following the whole time. She's finding out that they are trying to prevent the end of the world. Oh. Uh, if you ever want to read The Gone World, you, I just spoiled it for you. There but, you go. But that's okay. Now you don't even have to read it. It is slow in parts. Like, I'm 88 pages left. I just got to, like, page 300, and there's only 80, 388. Mm. And um, it is just now kind of kicking in. Oh, wow. So it's a little bit of a slow burn. But, yeah, it's kind of the similar here where they're like, this place is like a time travel agency, and they right wrongs through history hmm. but i read a theory online and i'm interested on in what you think of this of someone was like i don't know if there's any other time people other than ethan hawk because well what is it mr robertson he is like the recruiter yes he did time travel one time and he's like i make an exception or whatever i guess but is he just like the head and there's no other people because we find out, you know, we're, we're just going to be all over the place here with this. We'll just say it because it's kind of hard to talk about it without giving away what the whole thing is. But we find out that Ethan Hawke basically was made for this. Mm -hmm. That That's the best way I can put it without giving the whole thing away. Yeah, I know you're right. So I'm like, is he the only one like they made so he can jump because he's not anywhere really in history-ish? No, you're right. Yeah, because there's 
really no family. Yeah. Yeah. Holy crap. So at this bar, Sarah Snook comes in, and she is a man, and her name's John, is what she refers to herself as. So I thought she looked like Leonardo DiCaprio. Yeah, a little bit. Like a young Leonardo DiCaprio, because for a second, I didn't even recognize her. Yeah. Yeah, especially with the hair. She's got, she kind of got the little Leonardo hairstyle mm-hmm. at the time. Ethan Hawke's like, well, it's supposed to be in the 70s at this point, because when we first see the bar, you see Muhammad Ali fighting on TV. So mm-hmm. this is supposed to be like in the 70s-ish. I was like, he's like, are you, were you that guy in Titanic? <laughs> <laughs> and Ethan Hawke's voice sometimes in this makes me laugh, because he just, it's like he's trying to be Batman. Yeah, everyone wants to be Batman. I think he's a great actor. Oh, yeah. I really like him. Yeah, I like him whenever he pops up and stuff. He's great in that movie Boyhood, which it's three hours long, but it's a great movie. Basically what the guy did, the director, Richard Linklater, is he was like, I want to do a movie that actually like takes place over time. Like They started filming this movie, and they cast like Ethan Hawke and Rosanna Arquette, and this girl, Patricia Arquette, okay. Rosanna, not the not the Rosanna Arquette that inspired the song Rosanna. <laughs> Rosanna, take you all the way. Oh, yeah. Uh, Patricia Arquette, yes. She, when the little kid, the main character, is younger, meets this guy. And I forget exactly how, but she's like, you're a great person. You should do something with your life. And then, like, two and a half hours later in the movie, she comes back and this guy is like an adult. And he's like, you changed my life when you said that. And I went to school and I decided to do that. And you're like, holy shit. Like when he filmed that, he was a kid. And then now, because they filmed it over, well, God, however long that is. Yeah. 12 years or something like from six to 18 or however old he was. My goodness. It's pretty wild when you think about it. But yeah, Ethan Hawke is the dad and Patricia Arquette's the mom. And this little kid's good. They really picked a good kid because he grew up and looked exactly like Ethan Hawke when he was 18. Holy cow. <laughs> it's pretty crazy. I mean, how would you predict that? that I don't know. It must have been just like a happy chance. Yeah, it's pretty wild. I mean, when you, the whole thing about when you watch that, and I'll stop talking about it here in a second, but it's just to re- remember that they filmed it over so many years. Man. So like when a character comes back, you're like, oh, this person actually had a life. And then they were like, hey, can you come back and film this again? <laughs> That's so crazy. Yeah. But they start talking. Um, Sarah Snook, John, is not very nice to Ethan Hawke at the beginning. No. She comes off as kind of a real dick. And what do you think a dirty underwear drink is? That, I'm glad you mentioned that because I meant to look that up because he asks her. He, Ethan Hawke is bartending. Yeah. And he asks her what she wants. She says dirty underwear. Yeah. And um, I was like, is she being funny? But then he gives her the drink. Ew. Uh, I'm not seeing anything for a dirty underwear, but I see dirty panties. Is a drink. Okay. What's Tequila. That? Oh my God. <laughs> Does Te- it make you dirty your panties? Yeah, it says tequila parmesan cheese. Ew. <laughs> what the fuck? Pour tequila into a shot a shot glass, sprinkle parmesan cheese, and serve. No, That's disgusting. No thanks. Yeah. I mean I guess maybe it might be good, but you just swallowing cheese without do you chew it? Ugh, okay. Anyway. I don't like the logistics of that. Yeah. But one thing that John Sarah Snook does say is that Ethan Hawke is new here. She's like, oh, you started? And he's like, I've been here like a couple of weeks. Mm-hmm. Because in the background of all this, they are talking about a bomber that has been bombing and killing people. Yeah. Call, they call him the Fizzle Bomber. 
And Sarah Snook is like, I hate that name. That's weird. It is a weird name because wouldn't you think when you think of fizz or fizzles out, you would think of a bomb that doesn't blow up. That's true. Oh, the fizzle bomber. Yeah, he sucks. Yeah, he does. He thinks he can make a bomb, but he really can't. (laughs) We're not looking for him at all because we know he's going to fuck it up. It's just going to fizzle right out. <laughs> there is an F-bomb drop here where Ethan Hawke asks what? about... Not not that fuck. Not the fuck word. Oh. But Ethan Hawke asks how Sarah Snook is, and she goes, what are you, an F? Oh, blah, 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 blah. That, I was like, oh my gosh, I can't believe we're going to say fuck on the air. Oh, uh, no. People who've listened know that we're not we're not worried about that. But no, yeah, she, you're just like, okay, this movie came out in like 2015. Maybe we were different at that point still. Yeah, I don't like that word at all. No, not at all. She, they're trying to make small talk here. He, She asks for a funny joke or he says he can tell one and he says, which came first, the rooster or the egg? And she immediately says, the rooster, because she's heard that before. Yeah. Which is also kind of a relation to this movie. It's like, which came first, the chicken or the egg? Yeah. Oh, look at you. That's a good one. This is the IMDb trivia section. Oh, I see. <laughs> uh, also, I need to rewatch this scene again, but apparently the men's and women's bathrooms are behind Ethan Hawke. And if this is according to IMDb, but if you keep an eye on them, the location of where they're at changes. Like men's on the right, women's on the left. Hmm. And then in the next scene, it's different. Like men's on the left, women's on the right. Was kinda, that just a mistake that... No, no kind of men's and women's changes oh. in the spot. I keep doing this with my fingers, like <laughs> flipping back and forth, like I'm turning pages. I'm like, they're flipping. They're flipping. I get it. I get it. <laughs> <laughs> but I read that that was kind of like a, oh, you get it? Like, because the places of the bathrooms change, the men's and women's names change. Okay. Sure. She does end up saying that she is like a, a columnist for a magazine called The Unmarried Mother. And she writes like gossip or confessional letters, I think is what she said. Yeah, I think it's a confession. Which she says, get, I wonder how much money this would have been in 1970s or whatever, but she gets paid four cents a word. I think that would be a lot. I guess. Like, let me do the math here. You probably get, well, if I can do the math in my head, I cannot. So people who can do math in their head is screaming at me now. But if you write a 500-word confessional, you're getting paid 20 bucks. I would say in that time, that's pretty damn good. Yeah, I'm not going to sit here and keep Googling everything that I have a question about. Yeah. <laughs> we'll be here forever. <laughs> Ethan Hawke at this point does ask if she's married. And I'm like, do you know that she's a... Ma- I mean, like, I, I guess we are supposed to believe in this world that no one knows that she is a woman as a man. I had no idea because she does look... Like, could go both ways. See, well, I know who... I think it took me out of it because I know the actress. And Mm. I could... I don't know. I just... You can kind of tell. And I'm just like, is she supposed to be a woman that dresses as a man? Because she definitely seems like it. But everyone's reacting as if she's just a man. Although when she does come into the bar, there are some people in the back that do give her some weird looks. Yes. And they made a comment, which I, I missed. Yeah. I don't know... They did call her a name. I just don't remember exactly what it was. If it was like a freak or something, something crazy. And then I'm like, well, maybe she is doing like a transitioning. Which I mean, this I was shocked when this book, I found out that it was written in the 50s 
because it is pretty damn progressive. Mm-hmm. Which I don't know. We'll talk about it when we get there. Exactly what's going on with her, but yeah, I was just confused at that point where I'm like, are we supposed to just imagine that she's a guy and no one like notices or? I think so. I think she's supposed to be a guy. Oh, gotcha. Okay. We'll go with that. Yeah. We could talk for this like an hour. Is sure. She, is she a guy? Is she a girl? Is she what is this? Um, <laughs> she does give a kind of a uh, concerning statement here where they're, the news is talking about the fizzle bomber. Uh, this person has been bombing and killing people. And Ethan Hawke was talking about him. And she's like, oh, I think the fizzle bomber is doing good and calling out the bad people of society. Mm. So you're like, damn, lady. But she gets into it saying that she bets him the bottle of whiskey or whatever, that she has the best story that he's never heard. Yes. Which is funny to me because we find out that he knows everything about it. He is. He does know everything. He's like, sure, sure. You can't shock me. Go ahead. So this is kind of where we get. I don't know. It's going to be it's going to be fun to talk about, basically, because it's just basically her narrating her life. But and if this episode is only like an hour, if that. Give me a break. So we find out that Sarah Snook, as a baby, was left on the door of an orphanage by a person that we don't see. Like a mysterious man. It's so sad. Yeah, it's very sad. And leaving her at a a religious nun's orphanage because she gets raised by, like, nuns. Yeah, that's even worse. Yeah, being raised (laughs) by nuns? My God. (laughs) The doctor who examines her says she's healthy. And the woman, the nun or whatever, is like, her name will be Jane for the time being. I thought it was interesting that she talked about how she was never sick and she never really had to go to the doctor basically until later in life. It's pretty crazy. I know. And you're just kind of like, is that because of what happened with the way that she was born? I honestly thought she was going to be like supernatural, like Mm -hmm. have powers. Yeah, I'm glad not. (laughs) Yeah, well, later on, not to jump too far ahead, but... As a little girl, she kind of escapes a little bit from the orphanage to go to another, uh, it looked like a mom and daughter getting ice cream. Mm -hmm. She's like, oh, you know, it's, you know, her dream to have a family. So she runs across the street, but almost gets hit by a car. Mm -hmm. And then she just kind of does this karate chop with her hands and busts the light out. Yeah, that's when we start to get that she's pretty volatile. She's and pretty angry. I'm like, uh, did she do that telepathically? Like, because I don't know if some kid could just do that with her hand. So you, okay, I was like, you saw her bust it with her hand and then you thought you did it, she did it with her mind? Well, I thought she just did the motions <laughs> uh, to right. be like, psych, I can really do this with my mind. <laughs> um, she says sex confused her as a kid and we see her as a little girl, like seeing some of the people that work at this orphanage getting it on yeah with i think the doctor yeah probably so and then she's like sex confused her and she always felt that something was different about her mm-hmm. and she always told herself as a kid that her kids would have a mom and a dad yeah um and and we get more things of her like fighting and beating people up and like she kicks the crap out of this bigger girl in this orphanage <laughs> Yeah, and they are so mean to her. Like, they call her a freak, a loser. We get the R word in here, too, because it shows her in oh. class. She's not paying attention, and the teacher is, like, doing this math problem. And she's like, oh, oh, Jane, you tell me the answer. And she's like, 475.58 or something like that. And the teacher's like, 
that's right. And some girl turns around and is like, what an R word. Like, that's not what that means. Like, but... she means she's very smart. Right. Yeah. <laughs> but so you're saying she's smart. That's great. So kind of, I wonder, I'm seeing the parallels between my book I'm reading and this because in the Gone World, the main character is a girl who gets recruited to go into space for the NCIS Mm. because she says she got recruited to go and apply for this job at Space Corps. Oh, wow. And I thought this was really kind of weird. She's like, the company was looking for women specifically, preferably virgins that they could build up from, build from the bottom up. I said, most of the women who showed up were prostitutes. <laughs> and she's like sitting in, and it's Sarah Snook as a woman. She's got like glasses on. And I looked it up. She was like 20 something in this show. She's show. beautiful. I'm turning into my dad. She was in this show called Predestination. <laughs> she was like 20 something. And what'd you say? I said, she's beautiful. She's very pretty. Yeah. Like even today, I think she's just a very beautiful woman. I don't find her attractive in succession because she's just. They're all terrible people. Oh, she's a bitch. <laughs> They're <Yeah>. all bitches. <laughs> My gosh. Like, if, if I met her, I'd be like, oh, she's very pretty. And then if she started acting like she does in succession, I'd be like, she is not pretty. Yeah. No, I, I exactly. That's all those characters. Like, the Culkin, Kieran Culkin, I think it is. Yeah, oh my gosh. I'm like, he's a handsome man. But then I'm like, I hate his guts. Hey, yeah, he's sicko. Yeah. <laughs> hey, if you called him that, he'd start jerking off. I know. You're like, tell me more. Spoilers for a succession. <laughs> uh, there's a very funny moment here where she's getting interviewed by like a board of people at this job. And this guy is like, oh, have you ever been with a man? And she's like, why have you? Yeah. I'm <laughs> like, yes. Throwing it right back at him. We see a shot of them like learning space and they are like standing in a room with like these like helmets over them. Very futuristic. It does seem futuristic. Yeah. And it's supposed to be like the 50s, I'm assuming. If you know, like in the back in the day when ladies used to blow dry their hair. Oh, yes. They would have that little helmet thing that came down over their head. That's yeah. what it kind of reminded me of. Yeah, it also reminded me of an X-Men, the thing that Professor X put over his head to find mutants, kind of. Mm. And he, thank you for humoring me. He's like, mm. <laughs> He had to bring up comics. Um, she's loving it because it's simulating like them in space or going around and up and stuff. And one of the girls throws up and she starts laughing at this girl. <laughs> and she pretty much alienates herself from everybody when she starts laughing at this girl. I'm like... You don't have to be difficult in every part of your life. True. One thing that is very impressive here is it shows them all running on treadmills. And all these girls eventually over time just stop running. And it shows her like two hours later still running at the same pace. Again, that's why I was like superpowers. I see that. I see that because I'd be like, God damn. Uh, another their outfits kind of reminded me of the Handmaiden's Tale. Like they're oh, just they they're not red and they're not like cloaks, but they wore like a a blue hat that kind of a hood a blue hood looking thing that mm -hmm. reminded me of the maiden's tale, and their dresses were very retro. So well, retro I was thinking like very nineteen fifties, mm -hmm. like they're wearing like kind of skirts like over their knees, yes, plaid skirts and stuff. So yeah, it looks very fifties because I think it's supposed to be yeah good, <laughs> good times. <laughs> She's taking a polygraph test at this point, and the lady is like, how often do you think about sex? Never, sometimes, often, or all the time? And she's like, sometime. And it's like, <laughs> Try again. She's like, 
often. <laughs> She's like a teenage girl. I think that's normal. <laughs> Yeah, because I don't think she's ever had any kind of, like, human contact. No. Touch. and You don't ever see you're getting hugged? No. Or cared for? Just thrown out to the wolves to try to defend for herself? Yeah, it's very sad. I mean, it just... I have big problems with the way that our child health care is structured these days. I had a friend who was in an orphanage for a bri- brief time. Mm. And he just talked about how bad it was and how it ruined his sister. It's just going to get worse. I see this and I'm just like, oh, makes me think about that. It's awful. We see her get into another fight with a girl at this training facility and she kicks the crap out of her again. Another girl. And she's sitting in the doctor getting like a checkup, making sure she's okay. And in the background, we see Mr. Robertson, the recruiter, talking to another doctor. And he's like, we did a more in-depth physical and found this. And he gives him like a file. And he's like... This will disqualify her. And Mr. Robertson's like, well, have you told anybody about this? He's like, no. And I'm like, they found out her supernatural powers. (laughs) Yeah. I guess you could say I have a supernatural power as well. So she gets kicked out of the program, which I believe they lead her to think it's just because of the fight. Yes. Yeah. She has no idea. She was just kind of like, well, damn, this sucks. Yeah, she does say, like, after she got kicked out, she became a mother's helper. And I'd never heard that term before. Yeah. I was like, oh, a maid. That that, that was a, it's like a fancy term for maid. A like, mother's helper. We're not rich enough for maids. We have mother's helpers. Yeah. Uh, well, as she's cleaning up or doing something at this lady's house, she finds a magazine and discovers confessionals mm-hmm. it says she is taking decorum classes at night and she's like showing how to put like <laughs> forks and stuff on plates yeah and the lady like kind of shows her how to do it right and she's like it was the only time i wasn't good at something yeah it was charm class yeah it's like oh because she was trying to show that she was like trying to be less violent yeah she was like showing the appeals board that she's actually working on herself mm-hmm. to become a lady a lady And so she says, one night after class, she bumped into a very handsome man. Uh, I forget the quote that he did, but she's like, oh, it's like raining or something like that. And do you remember what he says to her? I can't remember because she says something and he repeats it back. And and she was like, oh, I was actually thinking that same thing. It was an author. He quotes Abe Lincoln. I think I wrote that he quoted Abe Lincoln. And she was like, oh, I was just thinking about that right now. Mm, Yeah, sure. We'll go with that. I have no idea. I didn't write it down. Yeah, I would have. You think I would have wrote down one of the most important parts of the movie in here, but uh, her narrating says that he was super rich and he promised that he would take care of her. We are not seeing who this man is. They just will not show his face. And we see him from like the back or his face is blurred. She's like, well, we were sitting one time on a park bench. He told me to stay here and he'd come back and he never did. He left her. Mm -hmm. So Robertson does show up back at her wherever the house is that she's being a mother's helper at. He says, I work for a company, not for Space Corps, but a company that writes, you could say we write wrongs. That's where he says it for the first time. Oh, I didn't catch that. Good one. Yeah. However, this this mystery man has, (laughs) it's funny that she refers to it as ruined her life (laughs) (laughs) because she is pregnant. She is prego. Yep. She gave it up to this mystery man, apparently, and... She narrates that she ended up in a charity ward with other women. And I was like, charity ward? Hmm. That's kind of, I wonder what that would be. Like um, like a homeless shelter kind of life? I don't know. 
So because she was pregnant, Robertson left, and she says she never saw him again after that. Nah. And here's where the big thing happens is that she has her baby, and a doctor comes to see see her after because she had a C-section. And they said that because of the complications of the pregnancy, you know, they found that she has both male and female genitalia. Yeah. Which I looked this up. It is called intersex. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It's an outdated term, but apparently back in the day it was called like hermaphroditic organs. Okay. They said that's an outdated term. So if that's like a slang at people, I, I have no idea, but that's just what it used. And then they changed it to intersex. That sounds better. Look, I mean, back in the day, they had so many bad things. My dad had a uh, an uncle who was special needs. Mm-hmm. And my dad, when I was a kid, said, oh, I had a uh, uncle who was a M-word. Rhymes with Mongols. Oh, I didn't realize that was a bad thing. Yeah, it it doesn't sound good. And I think it is kind of like derogatory. But at the time, that's what the people referred to people like that as, I yeah, guess. I mean, we've grown. We're somewhat evolving. Yeah. But she is intersex. And they said that because of the pregnancy, they had to perform a hysterectomy. And they reconstructed her with a male urinary tract system. Yeah. Like, and a penis. Like, didn't even ask. No. Like, what if she just wanted to have a hysterectomy and be like a woman without, you know, a uterus? I don't know. I mean, they didn't really explain it more, but I'm like, maybe things were just that badly damaged. Maybe the doctor's like, I'm going to go down as being famous for doing this. (laughs) Oh, my God. It's my meal ticket to the Nobel Prize. Oh, my goodness. Um, he's like, you you will adjust, your bones will change, and he says they will have to monitor their hormones. Well, actually, during that time, I don't know that they had hormone replacement, like, therapy. So, because, like, me, after having my hysterectomy, oh, yeah. I have to have, since I don't have my ovaries, I have to have a hormone replacement. So, if I didn't have that, then maybe I would be a little different. Oh, 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 oh. I said I wouldn't do it, but I Googled it. Just curious. <laughs> His hormone therapy, also known, known as menopausal hormone therapy, was first marketed to aging women in the 1940s. Holy shit. Yeah, you just forget when things kind of started. Wow, I am impressed. Okay. But who knows what it was like back then. I mean, I'm sure it was probably on the up and up, but it was like, take this cocaine and that'll monitor your hormones. But still, that would have been a choice for her. Well, I mean, again, it's the 50s, possibly 60s at this point, and there's probably like, I'm a man, you're a woman, who cares? And and it, it, then it wouldn't have made the movie, you know? This is, no. It is part of the movie, it has to be part of the movie, but still, I'm. it's just, they didn't have to do that to her if this was a real-life situation. <laughs> I know, yeah, you, they would de- you think they would definitely try to talk to her, but... I mean, it just makes me think back and I forget, but I've I've watched some documentaries or something where, like, back in the day, women would go see these doctors that were primarily just men. And the men would be like, well, ma'am, I'm a doctor. You're just a woman. You don't know the difference. Mm. So, you know, you're going to have to do this and mm-hmm. periods are the devil. I, I don't know that. But, you know, they just the they couldn't really talk to a doctor would be like, well, I have this problem. And you just couldn't really talk to him like one on one. It felt like because they were like, well, I'm a man. This is true. And, and I'm a doctor. It's still kind of like that today. Oh, really? Goddamn. Yeah, sadly. 
So she has her baby and she names the baby Jane. Mm-hmm. Go figure. And she says two weeks later, the baby was stolen from the hospital. Says the person that took him had a person shaped face. And she says his face was just like yours and mine. So when I first heard that, I was like, oh, she just means it could have been anybody that did it. But she's saying his face looked like yours and mine to Ethan Hawk. Wow. Yeah. Holy shit. Yeah, pretty fucking crazy. She's like, a man with a face shaped like a face, like anyone's, like yours and mine. <sighs> and I was like, oh, so she could have been, it could have been anybody that took it. And it was pretty. And she's like, she never saw the baby again. That's so funny how you, if you read into something, that sometimes it kind of gives you more information. Yeah. But then sometimes it can really get you off into left field. But still, that's really cool. And I forgot about the whole twist with this. I remember the big one, but it had been since probably 2015 since I'd seen this movie. Mm. So I'd forgotten some pieces of that. So when she was like, oh, this person had a, a face shaped like yours and mine. I was like, okay, it could Ooh. be anybody. <laughs> but now I'm like, oh, I get it. So this is a very great scene. She's like, she was devastated but her other problems took over and she had to have several surgeries she said her voice deepened and she started talking like a man or trying to talk like a man and this is a fantastic scene from her because she's sitting in the bed and she's like hello my name is jane and she starts like crying doing it and i was like damn that's a crazy scene because i think her name changed to john her, yeah. man, her male name is John. And yeah. she's like, "My, I'm John. And then she started, I'm Jane. And then she started crying. And, and I'm just like, oh my gosh, I can't even imagine what, you know. Yeah. The, how you would feel so torn apart from your body. I know. Like, I was just thinking, like, if, if that happened to me right now and they were like, well, you're going to be a woman from here on. I'd be like, but I, I mean, like, I've just lived as a man for so long. It would be different because yeah. it's not who you feel that you are. I mean, can you imagine just a little sidestep here, but being transgender, yeah, fe- being a man feeling like you're a woman. I know. And that's, I was going to make the same point is like these people are like, oh, well, they're gross and they make these mm. decisions. And I'm just like, okay, so, and this is a good argument, I think, to use on these people where it's like, imagine that you have both. You know, gonads, as they say. It's a real thing. It is, intersex. And you had a surgery and then they said, oh, well, we had to remove one. So now you'll be a woman or a man, vice versa, whichever. Mm -hmm. Like, imagine how confused you would be. Imagine how weird you would feel just being like, well, my entire life I've known I was a man. That's what people said I was. Yeah, but because you have all the parts doesn't mean you're going to feel that way. Yeah, and just imagine how it would feel for a transgender person if you're a man or a woman and you're like, this does not feel right. Mm-hmm. I feel completely wrong. It would be, it would be torture to live that way. Yeah, and that's why you know I'm so proud of everybody that is transgender that has gone through the process. It's not an easy process. No, I mean it. It it is hard on your body, but I've seen so much joy on the other side. Like when they have transitioned, they're just. In their own skin. Yeah, they feel like the they feel like we do right now. Yeah. Where it's like, I'm a man. I feel comfortable being a man. Right. And it's not hurting anyone. No, no. It's just... So people that are against it need to fuck off. Absolutely. Um, she is standing in front of a mirror here, and we see she's got a bunch of scars where they, like, mm. took her boobs, I guess. They, like, 
made it more like a man's chest. Well, that's kind of what they do now with uh, if you're a woman and you get the surgery to be a man, they kind of do the cuts below the the breasts. She had one, I think, up her abdomen, too. Maybe that that's the how C- they did the C-section. C-section, maybe? Yeah, they did. They didn't go below like they do now. They do it up. Like, maybe so. Yeah. yeah. Well, like Elliot Page. Have you seen him with his shirt off now? Mm-hmm. He looks like a man, but you can tell, you yeah. know. Just this couple of scars. No big deal. We do get some side penis here, though. Yeah. She's standing in this mirror, and we get, like, a hint of dick. Like, <laughs> wow. Just a, a sampler of dick. That's do you think that was CGI? I mean, it had to have been, right? Maybe. I don't know. Unless they just had a guy that was naked and put her face on it or something. I, I don't know. Be. It was. I thought it was well done. Yeah, it was interesting. She said when she looked in the mirror, she was just reminded of the bastard that ruined her life. Mm. And she said all the nurses in the hospital thought she was very handsome, though. And she's like, and she knew what women wanted to hear. Yeah. Because <laughs> she was a woman. Best of both worlds, baby. So at this point, they're sitting still in the bar drinking, and Ethan Hawke's like, well, it seems like things turned out okay for you. And she's like, today I just found out that I am fertile, so I am a fertile man. Yeah. Which you're probably like, why is that necessary? But wait, just wait. Just wait. (laughs) Uh, Ethan Hawke does tell her, you know, welcome to the tribe. I thought that was pretty funny as a man. Yeah. (laughs) She does say she tried to go back and enlist in Space Corps, but, you know, she's like, I think the doctor just looked at me. Just to see me instead of, like, any seriousness. I know. Said one look at her and she was declared unfit for duty and we see her scars again. So sad. So at that point she changed her name to John and moved to New York City. Started working as a fry cook and, gosh, that would be so frustrating to be, like, super smart and capable like her and having Mm -hmm. to work, like, in a restaurant, you know, just make ends meet. Yep. But she got herself a typewriter and started to, uh, you know, moved into a tiny apartment and started to... Right under the name of the unmarried mother. Yeah, good for her. Or him. I'm not sure. I'm not sure. I, I guess we'll, At this we'll, point, he's a him. Yeah. But I don't want to get it confused with Ethan. Yeah. It would be like him. Him, Ethan, or him, her. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So that kind of wraps up the first half of this movie here. And you're kind of like, okay, well, we know all about her. And now Ethan's Haw- Ethan Hawke is like, what if I told you I could put it's the line from the beginning where it's like mm-hmm. what if I could put the man that ruined your life in front of you and could guarantee that you would get away with it and she thinks he's full of shit at first but then he starts telling her parts of her life he tells her the name of the lady that raised her at the orphanage uh, I think he says Robinson's name or something like that but basically what it is is he's like you come with me and follow me and they go into the basement and very funny is as they're walking down, Ethan Hawke starts singing the song I'm My Own Grandpa as they walk down the stairs. Oh, wow. It's like, I'm my own grandpa, which is one of the funnier moments in that dumb movie, The Stupids, with Tom Arnold. He sings it on the like the Jerry Springer type show. Mm. Um, but it was apparently a real song from the 1940s. It's like, I'm my own grandpa. Yeah, I kind of got at this point that Ethan Hawke was like, listen, you come with me. You're going to take my place. Because I'm done with my job right now. Yeah, I think he even says it here at some point that he's retiring. Mm-hmm. And he's like, you can take my job, work it. If you don't like it, you can walk away. Yeah. Which I'm wondering now is if he was doing that as in to like give her kind of an out. Like he's trying to change oh, yeah. the time. He knew what was going to happen. Yeah, because Ethan Hawke says at this point that he is working with Robertson 
mm-hmm. to help her. Um, it's funny, as he walks into the basement, he tells his boss, he's like, hey, I'm going on break. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he's going to go time travel real quick. I'll be back. <laughs> and they go into a room and he locks up and he pulls out the violin case and he says it is a USFC coordinates translator. Holy shit. Yeah, we get some science jargon here. It says it creates a temporal wake. And he tells her to close her eyes and they blink out and they blink back into a warehouse and she starts kind of freaking out. And he said, the first few jumps can really knock you around. Yeah, which I was kind of surprised because she did so good at the beginning um, at Space Corps. And now she's all like, woo. Yeah, I'm sure it's not what you expect. Uh, No. (laughs) Says, we are now in Cleveland, Ohio in 1963 and he works for the Temporal Bureau. Uh, it's kind of funny. He gives her a bunch of money and he was like, here, here's money. We don't care what you spend it on or how much you spend. <laughs> um, he's basically says that like in the 1980s, I think is what he said is time travel was first created and they are able to travel 53 years back or forward from when time travel was made. Yeah. That's kind of weird. I wonder how they determined that. Maybe they tried to 1954 years and it didn't work. They or... like blew up. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> Is that where, like, some people are, like, self, self-explosion, self self-imploding? Yeah, something self-imploding, yeah. I I don't know how that would work, because, like, what if 53 years actually does end up passing? I guess you can't use the time machine anymore. It says they can only travel from 53 years forward or back from when time travel is made. Oh, shit. I thought it was like, well, then whatever year you're in, you can only go 53 back or forward. But if it's from oh. when, if it's from when it's made, that would be it would eventually you wouldn't be able to use it. Hmm. That would be better. I th- I would like to think that it's fifty three years forward or back from where you're at, mm. instead of just being like, well, it was created in the eighties. We can only go fifty three years forward or back from that, because then you know after fifty three years pass, you're fucked. Yeah, you're done. Time travels over. Got to figure something else out. So basically what he tells her is he's like, he gives her a gun and he says, we think the fizzle bomber is here and we need you to investigate. And, and so he starts to leave and he was like, you be here. He's like, I'll be back later. She's like, do I really have a choice because, or is all this just inevitable? Is it all going to just happen anyway? And he was like, well, you do have a choice, but I know how you feel (laughs) about like how, no matter what you do, it all just, it's going to happen no matter what. Then she asks if if life is lonely. I don't think he really answered. He was like, you do have a purpose. Yeah, like, well, you're working for something. Like, yeah, it's lonely, but you you got a purpose. So this is the big first twist of the movie where she's walking, and you think she would recognize where she's at, but she is walking and bumps into her younger self coming out of the classroom. Yes. And she says the line of like, oh, it's raining cats and dogs or something like that. And she, as John, recognizes where she's at right now. And she's like, oh, my God, I'm the man that I met and fell in love with. Yep. I was like, it was her. She's her baby's daddy. Yeah. Which, I don't know, thinking about it, you're kind of like, so you went back in time and had sex with yourself? I guess it's not, you know, weird because you are the same person. Yeah, it's it's a more interactive masturbation. Exactly. Yeah, one of the guys on a podcast I listened to was like, oh, you'd think that if I found a clone of myself, I wouldn't immediately start jerking myself off? <laughs> well, in this case, it's like the opposite sex. Yeah, so you could. So it would be 
Wow. Like you would know exactly what to do. I guess. It It would be amazing. It would be like explosions. I guess. Yeah. Because her as John looks at herself as Jane and is like, well, you are so beautiful. You know, people should have told you how beautiful you really are. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, that's so sweet. So Ethan Hawke is kind of sitting far away watching them meet, and he gets a note to travel to 1970 to stop the fizzle bomber in 1970, I believe is what he gets. So he does travel there, and this is the beginning. He's He is mm. the man that we saw at the beginning. He sees the fizzle bomber. And my guess is like, so he knows what this is. He knows probably who that person is. Is he just, does he just know that he has to do this so time can play out the way it is? Like, because, okay, so basically is he shows up and you see a shadowy figure and you're like, oh my God, is that the bomber? And then as it goes on, you realize that this person is the character from the beginning who gets their face blown up. Yes. And the person has what I, they have a ponytail. And a beard. That's true. Because at that point, since I knew that she was her baby's daddy. Mm-hmm. I'm like, well, maybe the baby had was intersex as well. Oh, yeah, maybe. And I thought maybe this was their daughter. Oh, yeah, it could have been. Or like, oh, their their baby went on to become crazy or something or become a fizzle bomber. Right. They fight and it plays out exactly as we saw at the beginning, except the person gets blown up. They're like lying on the floor and Ethan Hawke like nudges the violin case at them and then they blink out and he blips back out again so you're like holy shit like ethan hawk was the dude from the beginning like from behind shooting yeah, at this person that's wow that's crazy ethan hawk like blips back into an apartment building and he starts flipping out and breaking shit and <laughs> getting really angry he's been like recording himself this whole time like he'll he'll put notes onto a little recorder and he is like oh time travel can be very disorienting he's like it's march 1964 64 he's like he's like you will at this point you'll need to buy a hat and a coat because 64 can be is very cold at this point so just to back up a little bit because ethan gave the violin to the the person that was burnt Mm -hmm. and then he went and got his own violin so now there's like two violin cases in the same place essentially there was Mm -hmm. that's trippy well, it's the same. If you think about it, it's probably the same case. I know, but they're in the same place. I know. At yeah. the same time. It's weird. <laughs> You're looking at me like, isn't that crazy? And I'm like, yeah, of course it is. It is. It's blowing my mind. <laughs> um, we're kind of getting cut back and forth between female and male Jane and John. They're on like a date and they're kind of talking to each other and. We do see them have sex in a car. I think they like just kiss or something. I don't know if it actually shows them doing it. No, we don't get we don't get the action. Ethan Hawke like puts a long coat on and he walks into this building and he actually meets up with Robertson and they talk for a minute and Ethan Hawke's like, "Oh, Robertson, it's been quite a while." And he's like, "Well, for you, I imagine it must be quite a while." And I'm like, "Well, have you guys just met in your timeline or something?" Or but for Ethan Hawke, it seems like it's been quite a long time. Mhm. Ethan Hawke did get a piece of the bomb that blew up into that person's face and he gives it to Robertson and he was like, Oh, you should track this. This was as a piece of the fizzle bomber. And Robertson does be like, well, you made an illegal time jump to go try and apprehend him. And 
they talk about that for a bit. It's like he's been illegal jumping or something like that, and they bring it up again here where they're like, well, if you jump too much or do illegal jumps, it can cause, like, psychosis. Oh. They keep bringing that up. They're kind of hinting at it. They're like, well, you know, if you do illegal jumps or if you jump quite a bit, it can cause confusion and psychosis. Oh, no. I wonder if that's going to come back. Hmm, probably. So Ethan Hawke does talk about what he's about to do, and he was like, she will endure so much pain because of what I'm about to do. Mm-hmm. And Robertson does drop the title. He's like, you are a gift of predestination. It's like, free from history or past. Wow. A snake eating its own tail, he says it right here. So, surprise, surprise, Ethan Hawke walks through a door. He is in the baby ward and takes the baby that she had when she was younger. Wow. And then this next part really blew my mind. Yeah, because then it cuts to him traveling back in time and dropping the baby off at the orphanage door. And we realize that her baby is her. Like, she had given birth to her own self. Yeah. I even In my note, I'm like, wait, this is weird. The baby is Sarah? <laughs> the baby is Sarah! Or Jane, you know. So she slept with herself and gave birth to herself. So it's like, like what they're saying. It's a perfect loop. It is a circle. That is freaky. Yeah, it's pretty wild. Like, she's free from, that's why I said free, kind of free from time and history. Because, like, no family. Uh-uh. Doesn't have to worry about a father. Well, I mean, she does, but it's her. Yeah. She's, like, self-contained and, like, outside of history, kind of. She's her own mother and father. And self. Yeah. Very, very crazy. Wow. I think you were like, what? <laughs> it was, I mean, when you watch it, if you've seen it already, you know, you just, when you put the puzzle pieces together, you're like, holy cow. Yeah, it's a nice twist. And Ethan Hawke travels back to where he left John. John looks back and they're sitting on the park bench, like female mm-hmm. Jane said, and John looks back over his shoulder and sees Ethan Hawke sitting there. And she's like, realizes what she has to do. Mm-hmm. So she's like, I'll be right back. Please sit here. I'll be right back. And as she goes up to Ethan Hawke, she pulls the gun on him and is like, you fucking tricked me. Yeah. And he is like, you said it yourself. Everybody has a choice. And she's like, I, I love her. Like, she deserves to be loved. I'm not going to leave her. And she talks about how she's going to stay this time and she's going to be with her. And Ethan Hawke says, It's foolish to think some things can be changed, but some things really are inevitable. And he drops the line where he was like, Well, now you know more about you. Now you can learn more about me. And it cuts and they travel back to the Temporal Bureau. And he he tells her she's about to begin the most important work of all time. Mm. And he says, I am retiring And he says, I'm retiring to 75 right before a bomb blows up. I guess he's, you know, as as if he's going to try and stop it maybe. But he's like, I'm retiring. You're going to take over. And I'm going to 1975. Wow. So this is kind of neat because the movie has really focused on her this whole time. And now we're focusing on Ethan Hawke. Mm -hmm. So it does cut to him. He goes back to the bar he was working at. He grabs that bottle of liquor that they were, you know, betting on. And he was like, oh, hey, I quit, and then leaves. <laughs> I'm going to go time travel. See you later. Yeah, and he, he does time travel again, and he appears in this nice apartment, it looks like. Yeah. He's like kind of kind of disoriented after jumping, but he clicks the violin case to decommission it, to like turn it off. 
and as it's rolling, the dials are rolling, it's like failed to decommission. So yeah. it's like still active, able to be used. Yikes. I don't think that was supposed to happen. No, we'll find out here in a second. It will. And we're coming to the end of it. So, yeah. Um, he's going through the file that Robertson gave him before he retired. And there is a note in there to, to say, trace the bomb parts. These bomb parts you gave me were purchased in like a secondhand store here in your time. Mm -hmm. And I think we see Sarah Snook at this point too. She's like dressed in a suit and Robertson is like kind of gearing her up to start her work. But Ethan Hawke does track it to this place. And there's a nice woman in the store and he's like looking around and he sees a nice typewriter and starts typing on it. And here we go. You you pulled it right out here because he was like, oh, I used to be a writer when I was younger. He's like, I used to write columns. And I mean, that's pretty much giving it dead away. Yes. Because Ethan Hawke is her after her face got blown up. Yeah. I mean, just another like mind blown. Like, you think you had it all figured out. And then here's Ethan Hawke, and you're like, Ethan Hawke is her too. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. He's like, he likes the typewriter, and he's trying to track it. But he goes back to his house, his apartment with the typewriter, and he types the unmarried mother, and you're just like, oh shit. Like, you you understand at this mm -hmm. moment that he is her. So she grew up, had the baby, the baby got taken, she became a man, she got taken by Ethan Hawke into the temporal bureau, Got her face blown off and started to look like Ethan Hawke. Yeah, now we got to figure out this fizzle bomber. Yeah, so Ethan Hawke, in the file that he's investigating, it says that the fizzle bomber was tracked to a laundromat at 1 a.m. Mm -hmm. So he goes there, and who is the fizzle bomber, hun? It's him! An older version of himself. That's insane! So I kind of gave it away a little bit, but basically, from what I understand, it's he was like... Oh, your uh, your time travel case, it didn't decommission, did it? So what I am to assume is that he started time jumping, mm -hmm. started seeing all these terrible things that happened, went crazy because of all the time jumping that he's doing and started bombing these places to try and prevent. Because he does say um, he killed people to stop a chemical spill from happening. Right. He, he basically saves people. He feels like he's saving more people than he's killing. Yeah. And in, in present, Ethan Hawke is like, well, you're a murderer. You're killing all these people. And he's like, oh, no. And he's got like fucked up teeth, too. Yeah. And he's got long, dirty ponytail and glasses. And he's like, he's like, no, no, no. And he gives all these examples of things that would have happened had he not blown up places. And uh, the fizzle bomber is like, when all the dust settles, you will see that I am right. And I don't know how true this is if he's just fucking with them, but the fizzle bomber is like, don't you see Robertson has set all this up? It's like he made it to where we would be born and he could use us because Robertson does earlier be like, well, you know, the fizzle bomber has made us a better agency with all the stuff. Mm. It has made us better and, and more of a better agency for what he's been doing. Wow. So the, the fizzle bomber is kind of thinking like, well, I think that Robertson created us to do his dirty work for us so they could become a better agency and we could do the dirty work that he needed to get done wow kind of do it as like use them for what needs to be done and also research at the same time yeah probably so wow and he does have an interesting line because ethan Hawke's about to shoot this dude in the heart but he's like if you kill me you will end up becoming me 
because it's like it's you inevitable. Know, there has to be a fizzle bomber. There's that word again. Wow. Heath and Hawk does say the line again where he's like, what would you do if I put the man who ruined your life in front of you and he shoots his older self? Yeah. And this is where they confirm it because we flash back to Ethan Hawk on the bench talking to John and he says the line again where he's like, well, now that you know about you, it's time for you to learn about me. And he goes, I love her just as much as you love her. Ah. And we see when he's typing the unmarried mother, he gets up and his jacket's open and he's got the same scars as Jane. Wow. And it does flash, and it shows that the person whose face got burned was Jane, or John, and it's a total perfect perfect loop. Like, they are the same person throughout, like this entire thing. They are the exact same person. Wow. The movie ends, it shows, like, Sarah Snook, like, you know, working for the Temporal Bureau, and Ethan Hawke's kind of sitting in his apartment, I'm assuming, after he killed the Fizzle Bomber, and he ends on a line of, like, wondering if he really can change or if everything is just inevitable. Man. So it's like, gosh, it seems like no matter what they do in this in this movie at least, that it will happen no matter what. Yeah, no, I agree. And I think I kind of felt empty. Like when the, the movie ended, I'm like, that's it? Yeah. But, I mean, I guess that's, that is it because then it just starts all over again. Yeah, because I mean, you, you'll have to think about it. Like I imagine now what will happen is that present Ethan Hawke may time travel to double check. Maybe he'll be like, well, well, he was talking about future catastrophes. Maybe he'll be like, I need to see if this happens. And then he sees like something worse has happened and he decides to maybe start it. <laughs> yeah, that's, it is a mind blower. That's for sure. Yeah, it's a pretty big mind fuck. It, it's fun to think about and it's fun to rewatch, like knowing some things again, you know, just remembering a little bit about it. I remembered some things again. And uh, caught some new things in it when I watched it. But, but did you end up liking it? I did. I really enjoyed it. Yeah, I liked it. And this was the first thing I'd ever seen Sarah Snook in. I, maybe I've seen her before, but this is like the first thing where I like recognized her. A big movie I'd seen her lead in. And, and I thought she was great. She was freaking amazing. Yeah, and she's good in Succession. Like I said, I just hate everybody in it. Right, yeah. <laughs> the character. Her character, but yeah. she plays it very well. <laughs> yeah, all of them play assholes amazingly. <laughs> well, great. Well, that was that's Predestination. Yeah. Thanks, guys, for listening. Um, if you have a movie suggestion, we would love to hear it. You can... Email us, thefilmobsessedcouple at gmail.com, or hit us up on any social media. We're mainly on Instagram and Facebook. Yeah, we just appreciate you listening. Yeah, so more straightforward movie with that here. I told Shelly before we started this, I was like, I don't know how much funny it'll be. I mean, talk about jumping time and stuff like that. But, you know, more straightforward. It's fun to talk about the twists. Yeah, exactly. And so now next time, you know, we'll be doing something I think we'll be able to rip into quite a bit. (laughs) We'll be doing Mac and Me. Yay! (laughs) So, all right. Well, until next time, we'll see you then. Bye-bye.